Good morning, everybody. If you're not already there, make sure and open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapters 11 and 12 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. It's great to see you all here. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. It's really a blessing to be together and be able to worship God together. Uh, welcome to all of you, and uh, may, may God bless us all as we worship Him. I really appreciate the songs that uh, we've sang already and the prayers that have been prayed, the scriptures that have been read. Um, I thought about after some of those songs, maybe we should uh, change the topic of the sermon uh, from a book that looks at life under the sun to uh, to look at life above the sun. Uh, that's what many of those songs have helped us with. Um, but actually, really, what I want to do today is try to help us to think about um, how to live life under the sun in light of the son of God and the hope that we have above the sun. Um, I want you to think about how should we live on this earth? And what are some keys? I'm going to give you three keys from the book of Ecclesiastes to a fulfilling life on this earth under the sun um, to ensure that, uh, that you can actually enjoy life, not just under the sun, but for all eternity as well. Uh, this lesson is particularly focused on, uh, I, I specifically want to speak to the young people among us. Uh, and I am purposefully leaving that term vague. So because I know that many of you, though your hair is starting like mine to turn gray, uh, still see yourself as quite young. Um, and I want you to hear the message of this uh, as well. Some of us have grown old and still need to be taught lessons that the Bible gives to the young. Uh, and so I don't want you to tune me out. And then also, I hope that as we look at this book, um, we'll be reminded of how important it is to teach this book to those who are young. All of us, no matter how old we are, we, are, we have relationships with people who are younger than us, many of whom are suffering a great deal because they haven't learned the lessons that the Bible teaches uh, from books like Ecclesiastes. Uh, I appreciate so much uh, this year Ben has been giving us a series of lessons focusing on the Proverbs. Uh, and if there were two books that I would encourage all parents and grandparents or aunties or uncles to teach to the young people in their life, it would be those books, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Um, now, obviously, there are many other books that are important. The Gospels would be helpful, right, learning the story of Jesus. But those two books particularly give deep, deep wisdom um, that many of us have suffered a great deal because we lack in our lives. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to look at uh, the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want to look with you just at three key words here that hopefully will help you to take this text and write it on your heart. All right, look at them with me. Look at the first word in verse nine, rejoice. Look at verse 10 with me and look at the second word there, remove. And look at chapter 12 and verse one, the first word, remember. If you can remember those three words, you can remember the three keys that the preacher gives us to a fulfilling life. Uh, rejoice, remove, and remember. All right? Uh, so that's what I want to talk about. Now, if Proverbs, someone has said this, and I think this is somewhat helpful. Uh, we, we like Proverbs better than Ecclesiastes because Proverbs shows us life as it ought to be. Um, Ecclesiastes, though, is much more depressing Sometimes it shows us life more as it truly is. Now, the truth is that there's that Proverbs also shows us life as it truly is. Um, but it is interesting if you read Proverbs and then read Ecclesiastes back to back. Um, 
Proverbs tends to be much more optimistic in many ways in its view, particularly for those who seek God, um, whereas Ecclesiastes tends to have a much more pessimistic view of life under the sun. At least that's often the way it's read. Um, the message of the teacher in this book, in Ecclesiastes, is that life is a vapor. Life is smoke. It's temporary. It's fleeting. It's not going to last. Uh, and, and because of that, there's a sense in which, there's a real sense in which life under the sun can be meaningless, can be full of emptiness. Or the word that is often used in some of the translations over and over again in this book is vanity. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Life is vain. Um, not a very encouraging uh, message. Uh, but one of the things that the preacher is doing in this book is he's trying to show us that many of the places where we seek meaning and fulfillment, he already tried and he came up empty. That many of the places in life that we turn to hoping that they're going to satisfy me end up leaving us empty in the end. And so he talks in the first few chapters about all the places that he took that he turned. And this preacher had more going for him than I think many of us do. I mean, you, we typically think of us being much more wealthy than people in the past. Uh, but this preacher had a lot going for him. Uh, he tried it all. And all of it left him with a deeper emptiness uh, than he had even before. And so that's basically what this book is about. The preacher's search for meaning, for meaning and his review of his life as he tells of the emptiness that it found. Um, it can be a disturbing book. Uh, it's not a book I encourage you to read all the time uh, or, or uh, when you're deeply, deeply depressed. There are other books of the Bible that will, that will also strengthen you and give you needed balance to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, but I do want to say this. Ecclesiastes is filled with some of the best advice, some of the best advice for us. And particularly here at the end of the book, um, I think this advice is really key to, uh, to helping you to prepare for the unexpected challenges and hardships and darkness that you're going to experience in this world. So let's look at these three words together, starting in chapter 11 and verse 9. Verse 9 says this, Rejoice, young man, during your youth, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. Follow the desires, the, the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Now, here's a verse that I just wouldn't have expected to find in the Bible. Um, follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. You just, I don't know. I think some of us, we, we find that hard to believe that somebody would write that in the Bible. Um, and yet notice the first word here is rejoice. That is, God put you here on this earth, not so that you would be miserable, but so that you would have joy. God created the world to be good. And everything that he made was good. And God created this world in such a way that he could put mankind here and mankind could find joy in the world that God created. So his first piece of advice here is to rejoice during your youth. He'll give some reasons why in chapter 12, why that's so important to do while you're young and to learn to do while you're young. But for now, let's just focus on that. And I want to ask you, young people, how well do you do with that? Rejoicing? How well do you do it uh, at finding the good in life? I want to encourage you. This is a discipline. Uh, this is not something that is always easy. Uh, if you just back up a few verses in chapter 11 um, and in verse, uh, 
Let me see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 8, just the verse before. I'm looking too far back. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All right, that's kind of a sobering thought. Like, hey, rejoice, enjoy your life, but remember, life's going to be hard and there's going to be some really dark, dark days. And on those dark days, it's really important to discipline yourself to, re to rejoice in the good that God has given. It's not an easy thing to do some days, um, to look at all of the good things that God has blessed us with. But it is true that even when the clouds cover the sun, the, the sun is still there behind the clouds. And it is also true that even on life's darkest days, when, when I may not feel like I can see the sun or the light of day at all, there are still good gifts from God in this world. And they were given to us to be enjoyed. We should rejoice in those things. We should rejoice not only in the good in life, but we should rejoice in the choices that life has to offer. Now, I want you to think about this. Um, there are some choice. Life is full of choices, right? And some choices are choices between good and evil. Um, sometimes there's a choice between doing right and doing what is wrong. That is, that is often the case in this world. But it is also true, and I love the fact that the, the preacher says this, it's also true that there are many other choices that are not between good and evil. They're just between uh, what you desire and what you prefer. Think about the, uh, the choice of what to wear. There may be some things that are inappropriate for somebody who's seeking God and fearing God to wear. But there's a whole lot of options of things to wear that are appropriate, right? Rejoice in your youth and follow the desires of your heart. I remember it's weird how the world changes uh, and yet comes right back around. Um, I remember when I was when I was young, I used to get made fun of for wearing uh, those. Uh, my jeans were way too tight. At that time, it was like, yeah, it was cool to have the baggy jeans. You guys, remember, some of you guys remember that. Uh, it's funny. Now I get made up for wearing clothes that are way too baggy. People are like, nah, you should be wearing, you know, tight. But then it noticed that some of the trends, that, those of you who have been around a little longer, know that some of the clothing trends that were cool back in like the 70s and 80s are now becoming cool again. Um, it's like the more things change, the more things stay the same. But think about this. Life is full of choices like that. And, and God hasn't said like, hey, you have to do everything this way. He says, hey, make your choice, live your life, follow the desires of your eyes and the impulses of your heart. Uh, choices like what to study. Some people are so stressed about like, what's my major going to be? And, and I got to figure out like, what, 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 um, what path am I going to choose? What uh, educational path am I going to choose? Or which job should I take? You know, there's so many different options out there, so many different places I could go. Or, or which school should I attend? Which one? These are, these are choices that cause a lot of stress in this world. To me, it's comforting to know that the preacher says, out of wisdom, hey, follow the impulses of your heart. Follow the desires of your eyes. There are some choices that you, you must choose to do what is right and not what is wrong, what is good and not what is evil. But there are many choices where there are equally good options on both sides. And at some point, you just have to decide what do I want to do? It's important for us to recognize. Uh, some people have, the, have this view of God, that God put us here and he wants you to be miserable. So whatever you want to choose, you should choose the opposite. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that or heard that or, or felt that way, but I often hear people talk like that. Well, if, if this is what I want, then I really should do this. Well, no, actually God created us to be able to enjoy this world. And when God has given us equally good options, 
There, there's wisdom in choosing the path that you enjoy, in following the desires of your heart, in, in, in following the impulses of your eyes. Uh, things like what sport to play or what instrument to learn, uh, which job should I actually take or which field should I go into or who should I spend time with and, and share my life with. These are choices where God says, go and choose and follow the desires of your heart. But I love how he tempers that too. You need to know something. The choices that you make are taking you down a path. And God, look at the end of verse nine again, God will bring you to judgment for all these things. I love the wisdom in that. Hey, life is full of choices. Go and enjoy your life. Follow the path that you would like to take. But remember that God is ultimately going to bring you into judgment. There are some choices that you can't make. There are some paths that you ought not take knowing where life is leading. Rejoice. Rejoice. I, I might say it this way. Rejoice responsibly in life. Think about it that way. Rejoice responsibly in life. God is going to judge you. And a reckless pursuit of your own desires is just going to lead you to great grief and pain. And I think that's why um, I think that's why the next verse is so important. Rejoice, remove. Look at verse 10. Remove from you. What are you to remove? Grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. All right. So first, rejoice. Second, remove. What are we to remove? Well, there's two words that he uses here. The first is a word for sorrow. But sorrow in English doesn't really cut the idea here, which is why in my translation, they give you two words, remove uh, grie grief and anger. Because the, the word here implies a mixture of sorrow, anger, frustration, or to use an old word, vexation. Um, that's the idea of, wh of what he's talking about here. Remove that from your heart. Um, then the, look at the second uh, word that he uses, says to remove from your heart. Uh, mind there, and I think Michael's also translated the word pain. Remove pain from, uh, from your body. Put away pain from your body. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the word is literally the same word in Genesis 2, uh, which speaks about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the word here translated pain. Um, and there's some question about what is he talking about here? Is he talking about uh, bad choices or is he talking about um, just uh, causing yourself extra pain? My thought is, if you, if, you, if you choose evil, what is the result of evil? Eventually, evil is going to result in great pain. So the idea is that there are certain things that you're going to have to remove if you want to actually be able to rejoice and to be able to enjoy life on, under the sun. There are certain things that you've got to remove from your heart. And, and, and think about this. We know this is true. Young people, you know this is true. If, you, if you've forgotten that this is true, just think about your friends. And I want you to think about it. In a place like New York City, probably everybody, even if, you're not, if you don't view yourself as wealthy, probably everybody knows people we, who you would view as wealthy friends, like wealthy people that you know. You see them at school, that sort of thing. Um, but have you found this to be true? I have certainly seen this to be true. Have you seen that often the people who have all the possessions and they have everything they could ever want, they're still unhappy. They're still miserable. Like there's still, many of them are struggling with depression or, 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 or sadness or emptiness in spite of the fact that they seem to have everything going for them in life. Why is that? 
Well, I think the writer here is telling us why. There are certain things you've got to remove from your heart that, that take work in order to discipline, that, that money can't remove for you, that wealth doesn't take away from you. There are certain disciplines that we must learn to practice in order to ensure that we're going to be able to enjoy life. Remove grief and anger from your heart. Uh, I, I would encourage you in a social media age, especially to young people, I want to encourage you. There are some things that you just don't need to dwell on. And social media has a great way of exacerbating all, a lot of evil in this world that try, tries to get you to fill your mind with and to think about and to meditate on. I want to encourage, if you're young, limit your time on social media. There, there, is, there is a connection coming out in studies. You don't have to read the Bible to know this, although the Bible will confirm it to be true. Um, there is a connection between the amount of time that people are spending on technology and, and, and the percentage of people who struggle with emptiness, with, with disappointment, with, with depression and despair in life. Um, be careful how much time. There are some things that you don't have to know about. You don't have to fill your mind with. You don't have to meditate on. And, and, and learning to discipline yourself to say, yeah, I know everybody else is on this. I know everybody else is doing this. I know everybody else spends their day, you know, scrolling and, and posting and liking and all that thing. But for me, there needs to be a limit. There's going to be a limit to how much of my life I'm going to invest in this, knowing that there's a lot of grief and anger that comes through things like social media. And I don't have to needlessly put myself through that. Um, I need to be careful here. Um, remove things that are causing unnecessary sorrow. The book of Ecclesiastes reminds you that there are going to be days of darkness and there's going to be some sorrow you can't remove. You can't get away from it. Um, there are going to be hardships you're going to face in life. But there's also sometimes we put unnecessary grief. Unnecessarily, we put things in our mind, in our hearts that provoke us to wrath and to anger and that steal our joy from the, from the life that God has given us. Limit those things. Cut those things out of your life. Learn to do that while you're young. Because if you don't learn to do it while you're young, it'll only get harder as you get older. More on that in a moment. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to say a couple of things about this. So I remember when I was in high school, um, I had a serious, and this was not just in high school, this is, this is from youth until middle of high school. I had a serious anger problem. Um, maybe you guys don't know me in that way, but uh, I, had, I had a serious, serious anger problem. I remember when I started uh, playing tennis, um, I was the guy who maybe seen throwing rackets and breaking rackets on the ground because he got so enraged. Uh, and it just, the smallest things could set me off and just drive me. Uh, and I, I never really figured out, like, why am I so angry? And what is my, uh, what is my problem uh, that led me to that? Um, but I will tell you when it changed. You know when it changed? I started to overcome that anger problem when I found something in life that was much more fulfilling than any sport that I tried or anything else in this world is when I started to really seek the Lord diligently. That's when I began to realize, hey, some of these things that are infuriating me, that are making me so angry, they're really not worth it. They're really not worth spending your life on. There were times when I quit sports because I recognized that it actually wasn't helping me to keep playing them. Um, to be able to focus on things that I found more joy in, that I found more uh, peace in, and, and things that drew me closer to things that were fulfilling. Particularly, those things were related to my uh, desire to please the Lord. 
on the second part here, put away evil or put away pain. Um, I remember when I went to college, uh, I met a kid in college um, who was from the Bronx uh, and uh, he had lived up until that point. He had done everything that high schoolers in, uh, in New York City do to try to find meaning. He, he, tried, he tried to seek it in all the wrong places, um, seek fulfillment and meaning in all the wrong places. And I remember about halfway through the year, um, this is the story of how I came to New York, by the way, about halfway through the year, this young guy uh, came to me and, uh, and he said, you know, I've recognized that the path that I'm taking is just leading me to sorrow and to pain. It's, it's just causing me more and more problems. I, I, I came to this school in hopes to kind of get a fresh start and a new start, but I'm making some of the same choices. I'm hanging out with the same types of people. They're leading me in the wrong direction. And he made a decision. At that moment in his life, he made a decision to put away evil. He put away some relationships, people that he was close to before. He didn't cut them off entirely, but he, cut, he held them at a distance. He said, hey, I'm not going to let you be the people who are closest to me. Um, he, he said, uh, I'm going to put away many of the things that I used to find pleasure in. I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm not going to seek in those things. I'm going to fill myself with new relationships, relationships that are healthy and that are good and that are going to stir me up. Um, he decided that summer uh, to come back to New York um, and not to get involved in the mess before. In fact, he brought people with him. He brought me and, and other people with him so that he wouldn't get involved in that life again, but instead to invest himself in ministering and serving in the church. Um, some of you guys know him today. He's a preacher, uh, Roger Polanco. Um, but his life, if, if he was here today, he would tell you that his life was completely changed. That the joy that he's found in life and the, and the happiness and the fulfillment and the meaning began with that choice to put away evil, to say, hey, I'm not going to continue to make these same choices. Young people, I want to encourage you. Read the Proverbs. The Proverbs will tell you that life is full of traps. Life is full of things that look beautiful and look good, but in the end, they lead to heartbreak and anger. Um, I'm dating myself here again. But I remember when I was uh, watching TV uh, in, in middle school and high school and early college, um, I remember beer commercials. Do you guys remember? I don't even know if they still do beer commercials like they used to. Um, but I remember that was you. You look at a beer commercial back then and man, every beer commercial was beautiful people. Right. Um, just the most beautiful people. They're always smiling. They're always laughing. They're always having a good, good time. They're always dancing. You know, everything is just wonderful in a beer commercial. You know, I never saw a beer commercial where they showed people throwing up from getting too drunk. You just, you never saw it, right? Um, I never saw a beer commercial, um, at least from beer companies, where, uh, where it was showing a car crash after somebody wrecked by uh, drinking too much and driving. They didn't show you that. I never saw commercials, uh, beer commercials, where people were like, uh, you know, in domestic violence situations, uh, abusive relationships, um, because somebody had drank too much. Why don't they show you that in the beer commercials? They don't want you to think about the end. They only want you to think about the moment. Enjoy, enjoy, focus on the moment. You see what the, what the, what the preacher is saying here is, you can't just live life only thinking about the moment. I have to think about that there are consequences to the choices that I'm making. That every day the choices I make lead me down a particular path. And if I will choose, as a, as a young person to put away evil, it will make all the difference in the joy and the fulfillment and the peace that I will be able to experience 
in life. There will still be days of darkness, many of them, even if you make the right choices as a young person. But the darkness will not be nearly as deep as if you choose to fill your days with things that are evil. Put away, remove anger, sorrow, and grief, and remove evil from your heart. Remove pain, unnecessary pain. Life is pain, and plenty of that will, will teach us well. But there's also pain that's unnecessary. You shouldn't have to make every mistake yourself. It is, it is okay to learn from other people's mistakes. It is okay to learn lessons. This person chose this path, and it took them there, and it didn't work. Um, for, 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 the, for every story I could tell you about people like Roger, um, who put away evil and their life turned around, I could tell you about many others whose life have ended in deep pain, deep sorrow, deep regret, and some of which even in death. Young people that we started working with um, who, who chose different to make different choices, to stay involved with people who led them into evil. And it led them down a path that, that destroyed their life, that left them with emptiness, with sorrow, with heartbreak, with pain and anger, and even death. So rejoice in your youth. Remove grief, sorrow, and evil. And finally, let's take a look at verse chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember. What should we remember when we're young? There's not a lot to remember. I'm young, right? Uh, what, what should I remember when I'm young? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. All right, what are we to remember? Remember your creator. Now, why is that so important? And why do you think he, he speaks about God here as the creator? I think there's a reason for this. I don't know for certain, but I want to suggest one. Remember your creator. Um, you know, if uh, I got this MacBook here and I have struggled ever since I got MacBooks to know how to use them. Um, they, they have not been, e it's not been an easy transition for me from a PC to a Mac. Um, but one of the things that I often have to do when I'm trying to figure out how to use a MacBook is I have to call the people that work on MacBooks and that design them and that know how they function and know how they work. Now, why is that? Well, because the people who are going to know best how to get this thing to function are the people who created it and the people who design it and the people who make it. The maker is going to know how to use the thing that is made. Now, why does he say, remember your creator in the days of the I think part of the reason, at least, is this. Nobody knows better how to give you a life full of joy than the one who made you. Nobody knows better how to teach you to have a fulfilling and a satisfying life than your creator. He's the one who made you and he made you and put you in this world so that you would be able to enjoy it. Therefore, if you want to have joy, if you want to find meaning and satisfaction in your life, you better remember the guy who made you. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, why is this so important while young? Because this is what I've said for most of my life. Um, uh, what, what I've often said is, okay, all right, I need to remember God. Well, you know, I know there's certain things I need to do in order to remember my creator, but I can start tomorrow. You ever said anything like that? I can do this tomorrow. You know, uh, I know I got to change in this way, but I can change that tomorrow in order to remember God, in order to serve God, in order to seek God. I can I can start that tomorrow or some of us. It's not tomorrow. It's like, hey, next week after this assignment is done, after this project is finished, 
then I'll seek the Lord. You know, after I get through this um, year of school or after I finish this job and get a new job, then I'll seek God. Um, we often say things like that. Um, once I, once I uh, get out of high school and get to college, that's when I'll start seeking the Lord. And then when we get to college, it's like once I get out of college, let me, let me have some fun here. Once I get out of college, then I'll seek God. Um, there's a few problems with that, and I want to suggest a couple of them. Uh, the first one is this. Um, we need to seek God now because your life is a vapor. And you don't know how long you're going to be here. Remember what James says in James chapter 4 and in verse 13? I think this is really, really important for young people. Um, for us to remember, I say us here, you can tell that I still think of myself as young. I hope you guys do too. Um, James chapter 4 and verse 13 um, is, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, engage in business, make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this. We will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, there's something that comes with young, with being young uh, that is not a good thing, and yet I think I, it's almost inevitable. Uh, and that is what we often describe as a youthful arrogance, a youthful arrogance. That we have this tendency, as long as we think of ourselves as young, to think that um, nothing bad can happen to us. Like, you know, I, I'm young, I'm free, nothing, nothing evil could befall me. I've got my whole life ahead of me. That's not always true. Sadly, you may be saying, well, I'm going to change this tomorrow or next week. But the truth is that we don't know that we have next week. And we don't know if we have next week what my life will be like next week or, or tomorrow. Life is a vapor. And so much of what's going on in this world is completely outside of my control. Even the things that I think I have control over, those things, man, a lot of those things... I don't have as much control as I'd like to think. You ever thought about how much it would take um, to put you to sleep where you could never wake up? Just somebody like plugging up two little holes here and keeping your mouth closed and that's it, right? We are not in control. Our life is a vapor. We are here today and we are gone tomorrow. Some of us have really celebrated birthdays this year more than we normally would especially thinking about what we've been through over the past year. If anything, the past year has reminded us of how short life can be, of how quickly life can disappear. People that we loved, who we expected to be with this year, who are not here with us. Life is a vapor. I need to seek the Lord and remember my creator while I'm young because I do not know that I will grow old in this world. I don't know that. There's another reason, though, and this is the reason the, the, the preacher gives in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're not going to go deep, deep into this, but I'll encourage you just to explore it in more de depth yourself. Um, notice in verse 12, the reason he gives for why you should remember also your creator in the days of your youth is before the evil days come. And the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. All right, what's he talking about here? Before the evil days come. Well, if you keep reading here, 
he gives this uh, figurative, figurative story of what it's like to grow old. Um, and it's not a beautiful story. Uh, it's kind of a depressing story. If you read this, before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. In the day when uh, that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop and grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the uh, all the details of what he means by each of these phrases. Uh, some of it's too depressing for me to think about too much. Um, but what he's describing here is that life as you grow older, once you leave the prime of life as he describes it, life as you grow older gets harder. And here's the question that the preacher is begging you to ask yourself. If you don't learn to seek God now in your youth, what makes you think that when you grow older and life gets harder, that then you're going to want to seek God? This is the best time of life. Being young, you've got so many things that as you grow older will not get easier. Life will just get harder. Therefore, remember God while you're young. Don't think, hey, once I get through all this, then I'll want to seek God. Then I'll want to love God. Then I'll really diligently seek him. A lot of times we think that as I get older and I get closer to death, I will, I will seek God more fervently. That is true for some people. It's also not true for many people. There are many people that as they grow older and life gets harder, they get more hardened by the hardness of life and the difficulties of life. And they don't even want to see God. We've known people like that. We've met people like that. So remember your creator while you are young, while there is good in your life, while you can see how beautiful and how wonderful life is. And you can see the blessings that God is giving you. Remember God now knowing that there's no guarantee that you have tomorrow. And there's no guarantee that if you have tomorrow and you don't seek God today, that you'll want to learn to seek him. Rejoice, remove, and remember. Those three pieces of advice have helped me a lot. When I listen to them and when I heed them and obey them, uh, they save me from a lot of heartbreaks and trials. And I hope they'll help you. Some of us are older, and yet we still need to be reminded and, and retaught these truths um, because we can fall into the same traps that we did when we were young. I love the way the book of Ecclesiastes ends. We're going to end this way in chapter 12 and in verse 11. Listen to this. The words of wise men are like goads. You know what a goad is? something you poke a cow with to get it to go in the right direction. The words of wise are like goads, so don't run away from them. Embrace them. They may hurt in the moment, but they'll actually save you from a lot worse uh, trouble that might be coming. The words of the wise are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. Not often to hear in the Bible, people's, people discourage further study, right? The Bible is often encouraging you to study. Here, you get a warning about uh, study. Actually, the more you learn, the more heartache and sorrow and grief you learn. The harder life gets. So be careful about uh, excessive devotion to books. But the conclusion, when all has been heard, is this. 
fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether good or evil. I shared this illustration recently, um, but I want to share it again. And particularly, I want those of you who uh, are young to think about this. I want you to imagine that around the ceiling of this room is a rope that is a timeline of eternity. All right? Imagine that around the, around the ceiling of this room is a rope that is a timeline of eternity. Uh, if you were going to take a, like a, a paintbrush or a marker or something and, and, and mark in red the part of that rope, that timeline of eternity, that is this life under the sun, how long would it be? Timeline of eternity, how much of that timeline is taken up by your life in this world? Let's say you live to be 100 years old, 115. I think the oldest man in the world right now is like 112 or something like that. Let's say you live to be 112. How much is 112 years on a timeline of eternity? Not much. Now think about this. If you obey the instructions of the preacher here, if you decide, hey, I'm going to rejoice in my youth. I'm not going to get down at all the bad things that are going on around the world all the time. I'm not going to be depressed all the time. And, and you decide, you say, hey, I'm going to remove from my heart grief and anger, and I'm going to remove from my heart evil. I'm going to put away evil. And if you decide, I'm going to remember my creator in the days of my youth. You know what? People around you are going to think you're foolish. People around you are going to think you're crazy. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to scoff at you. They're going to say, "What? what you, you're putting your hope in something you don't even know. You, you don't even know how this is going to end. You don't know where this is going, etc." People today still look at us as crazy. Put our hope in eternal life, something you can't see. Why don't you think about this, though? You know what I think is crazy? To live your whole life focused on this much of a timeline of eternity. This much of a timeline of eternity. That is crazy. To live our whole life trying to be happy right now, knowing that we weren't made to just be here right now. We were made for eternity. Ecclesiastes, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 3 and verse 11 that God has put eternity in our hearts. And I want to suggest to you that the only way that you will have a lasting joy in this world, the only way that you will have a fulfilling life that ends in eternal intimacy and eternal joy and satisfaction and fulfillment is if you learn, even now, whatever age you are, to find your joy in God to be faithful to him, to fear God, and to keep his commandments. That is the only thing in this world that can produce eternal joy. And give us a few more years, and all of us here are going to, from dust we came, from dust we will return. From du To dust we will return. And on that day, there won't be any of these other things that will matter to us. It won't matter to us uh, what, what, how cool we were in school, what we wore, how we dressed, you know, how we lived, um, who our friends were, how popular we were, how many followers we had. Um, those things aren't going to matter at all in these days.
The only thing that's going to matter on that day is what does the Lord think of me? Did I fear God and did I keep his commandments? We have all the evidence we need that there is a God. We have all the evidence we need that Jesus is the way to God. He died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised up from the dead. And when Jesus was raised up, he proved once and for all that there is a God and that there is eternal life. This is eternal life, to know him, to seek him, and to follow him. May God help us to fear him and to keep his commandments all of our days so that one day we'll be with him and we'll be like him forever. Let us pray. Oh God, I pray especially today that you will help us. Help us, Father, to look at our lives and to rejoice in all the good things that you've given us. Help us, Father, to enjoy the world that you have granted us and you blessed us so richly in. Help us, though, Lord, to remove the things that ruin us, that steal our joy and steal our peace and, and bring us pain and agony and suffering and sorrow. Help us to remove grief and anger, to put away evil from our hearts. And help us, Father, to remember our Creator all the days of our life. So that one day when we stand before you and we face that judgment, we'll be able to say, because of your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord, because of your faithfulness and our faith in you, Lord, we are your good and faithful servants. I pray, dear God, for each one of us that you'll help us to enjoy our lives in you, to remember that all the things that we do, you're going to bring us to judgment for. Lord, may we repent of those things that are evil and turn away from them and turn back to seeking you more diligently than ever before. I want to pray a special prayer for those who are young among us and those whom we love who are young. I want to pray, dear God, that you will bless them richly, that you will grant them wisdom to be able, that you will open the eyes of their hearts to see you, that they may learn to fear you and to keep your commandments and to know that only in you can all of the, the things that they're searching for and longing for in this world ultimately be fulfilled. Thank you, Father, for our time together today. And thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.